Hey friends, I'm Chuck Taylor. Texas music has always been at the forefront of country music. Here lately, though, the last several years, Nashville music has gotten to be really, really poppy. And there's a trend going on right now of real raw music. Some call it red dirt. Some call it Americana. We call it our kind of music. This is the Red Dirt America podcast. And on this podcast, we explore red dirt, Texas, and Americana music. This week on the podcast, I talk with Steve Earle about his latest album, The Ghost of West Virginia. I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance. Pledge allegiance to real country music. This is Red Dirt America with Chuck Taylor. Thanks for uh, agreeing to, to do the interview. Uh, this album, I listened to it last night for the second time, and it's really, really good. Thank you. I'm really proud of it. Uh, you you kind of told me about it a little bit last time when you were uh, doing the tour for the Guy album. Right. Uh, we, we were talking about... Um, you actually wrote some of the songs for a play. No, I did. Some of these songs are three years old. This play, some of them are four, one of them's four years old. It, it was. It took four years. It takes a long time to make theater. Um, the way this started was, I was looking for. A way to make a record that spoke to people that didn't, you know, and maybe even for people that didn't vote the way that I did, because I just felt like it was necessary to start trying to, you know, find the things that that I have in common and that we people like me have in, in common rather than the ways that we're different from people that we, we maybe don't, you know don't think we understand and 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 you know the truth is we we have most folks are just about the same things they're just trying to take care of their kids and pay their bills and right. get through their lives and you know their political exposure is like you know they they don't sit around and talk about politics and analyze it all the time and and, and and then there are people that do and I'm one of them and I'm on one side of that political divide but the truth is I know better just from my audience and not everybody that bought copper Road, you know, was a Democrat, and and I um, I just wanted to make that record that that sort of spoke to those folks that I know are out there, and and I know are good people. They just don't think the way that I do because I think there are people that are running things that are really running things that profit from and benefit from us staying crossways with each other and and never finding out what we have in common because it just makes things easier for them to do what whatever they wanted to. And I, so I started looking for a way to do that. And then suddenly I got a call from Jessica Blank and Eric Jensen, who are two friends of mine. And they had made up, they do what they call documentary theater. And they interview folks and, and tell their stories in, in a theater setting. The lat, they had been involved in a show. They wrote a thing called The Exonerated, which I was involved in as an actor, which was about death row exonerees telling, you know, their, their own stories and their own words based on interviews that Jessica and Eric conducted so they wanted to do the same thing or surrounding the upper big branch um uh, mine explosion in west virginia which is 10 years ago now when we started this process it was it, it was only you know five and a half or six years before uh, they knew that I, my music sort of lent itself to making sense in a story about that part of the country and they also knew that i talk like this and i i, I think that was considered to be a plus when they traveled <laughs> to west virginia so um 
So they called me, and and I was. Um, we went around to different people. We the public theater um, had a meeting with Oscar Eustace at the public, and he the, the public commissioned it. And we went to West Virginia and started conducting these interviews. And I started writing songs, and and seven of the songs on the record are actually um, were written for the show. And uh, then I just extrapolated that into a a ten cut record about West Virginia because I just came to the opinion of getting to know these people and seeing what was going on there that West Virginia is pardon the pun the canary in the coal mine because yeah. you know just what happened um, it's not hard to figure out why people in West Virginia voted overwhelmingly for Donald Trump it didn't have anything to do with racism it didn't have anything to do with them being mean it had to do with Hillary Clinton went to West Virginia and said I'm going to close all the coal mines and Donald Trump went back 10 days later and said he wasn't and I think they were both lying right and but the fact is that's what people heard and that's how most people vote and 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 you got to be able to understand that you got you got to be able to understand that people do vote their pocketbooks and 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 so if we're going to get out of this trouble that we're in i believe that we have to start trying to see each other you know other people's sides of the of the coin and you know this isn't this isn't checkers it's chess this is the beginning of that dialogue it's not going to fix anything overnight but i think it'll you know um i'm like the during the obama obama years my deal was I voted for Barack Obama twice, and I didn't have any trouble doing it because I thought his intentions were good. But his politics were were pretty far to the right from where I'm sitting. And, and you know, I spent the whole—I did have a function during that presidency. And it's like people that I know and love would say, oh, but he's a socialist. And I could say, nope, I'm a socialist. And I promise you, he's not <laughs> even close. So that was my function during the Obama administration. And um, and I was okay with doing it. But, uh, but his intentions were good. You know, I yeah. think being a community organizer is a good place to start out to be president in spite of what some of his opponents thought. Absolutely. And and I, I'm glad to hear you talk like this because so much of what we have in the world today, uh, mu- music, everything, we're so divided right now. And it used to be I could disagree with you or I could agree with you and we could still go have a beer afterwards after having a healthy debate. And now you're going to have to be you're really lucky if you don't get hurt. Exactly. And, uh, even Mike right now people are attacking people for wearing masks when they go into a grocery store like once once the state started to open up there are people that are politically threatened by the act of somebody trying to uh, to you know wearing a mask i think people wear masks because they're afraid i don't i i don't think a mask is necessarily going to protect me i wear the mask to protect other people in case i picked up something that my mother's you know 84 and already on oxygen so i haven't seen her without a mask and being on the other side of the room during this whole thing so and it's you know it's a drag because i'm in tennessee i could see her but but it's you know it's, it's happening to a lot of people they're separated from people that are vulnerable and um, and you know we're learning more about it every day but it's but it's all political it's all yeah. about one what news channel you're watching was what you think about what we should be doing right now how has a lot of it has to do with which channel you watch well it, it really affected uh 
you personally, the play uh, was just starting in March when everything it's, started to shut down. And it was a hit, and, and it was going really well, and we were selling tickets. And um, and I, I moved to, to, to New York 15 years ago to make music for theater. This was a big deal for me. I got nominated for a Drama Desk Award for the music for this show, by the way, and it wow. was a big deal. And, and I, I just kind of, you know, that's that's what I moved there to do, and, and I'm... You know, so it was disappointing, but I, 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 I did. I, I was aware that the, the, the what more important, as far as the people right around me, is there were a bunch of actors and crew guys that were out of work that day, just boom and yeah. overnight. And uh, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through this year, and we're going to go out and play these songs for people next year. And I'm hoping Cold Country is going to go back up. That's the intention of everybody that was involved. We can't guarantee it's going to happen, but when theater comes back. New York, we're going to try to put Coal Country back up again. Yeah, because the reviews, I, I read the reviews last night as I was getting ready for this, and the reviews were great. I mean, they were really, really good at selling tickets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Really well. So, so why, I mean, I, I know the story behind the accident, but why is this music so important for people to hear right now? Um, I think, you know, like I said, let's some people that don't know much about West Virginia know um, some things about West Virginia and West Virginians. One is that was the most unionized place in the country uh, until very recently, and it's because of coal. Um, now that's see right there is something that people in New York that that you know or that unions consider unions to be a, a you know a part a fundamental component of democracy probably didn't know that West Virginia was. Strong, strong industrial union uh, country long after no place else in the middle of America was. And it was because the coal was more valuable. So even after the UMW no longer had a foothold in Kentucky anymore, West Virginia, that 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 coal and that this mine is steel making coal. And, you know, guess yeah. what? We don't make steel in the United States of America. So all this coal is being shipped overseas. A lot of money involved. Like they, these guys were taking like over $600,000 dollars a day out of this mine. Wow. And so $250,000 fine, that was just a big business expense. They didn't care. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, my I, I think in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, but listening to the album, the probably to me the most powerful song on that album is "It's About Blood," especially the part where you start naming the names. Yeah, I, that mean, I just choked up on that. Yeah, it, it, that happened in rehearsal. I'd written the song, and and I, you know, we were one. Of, it was well, actually, in a workshop. You know, we were just. Um, you know, we were actually had all the actors in one place, you know, for a workshop for the first time. And, and I just did it one day. I mean, I, I, I thought about it the night before and I just tried it. And um, um, I, I warned the director that I was going to do it, but I didn't tell the actors. I didn't tell everybody else. And everybody was in tears by the time we finished it. i tell you what inspired it was I was in Washington, D.C. doing a concert with me, Emmylou Harris, Jackson Brown, um, some other folks uh, for the Women's Refugee Commission, which is, um, they do all this work for, uh, they're the only people that are actually getting into these camps along our border, you know, and, and, right. and, um, and dealing with that issue. We're doing a benefit for them in D.C., 
And I just had this connection. Some of the people I was working with on that project were people that I know from the Vietnam Veterans Foundation, who I did the line landmine tours with. And I just, for some reason, flashed on the first time I saw the Vietnam Memorial. And you walk up to that thing, and you see there, and even if you intellectually know those are names, when you get close enough to actually read one name, and it it just registers that they're all names. Yeah. And I just thought that. That, that that that's the way to drive this home is is just to read the names of twenty nine guys that that lost their lives that day. It was to me perfect. I mean, it, it, to me that's the most perfect song on the album. Well, um, thank you. We're 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 playing uh, "Devil Put the Coal in the Ground" right now, the first one off of that, and that was powerful. But then when I when Joel sent me the full album, and I got to listen to it. I, that song just blew me away. Absolutely. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. It, it's it's the climax of the show when that song is performed. Actually, let me ask you this: We're going to get to a, a couple different questions because I know we're short on time. Uh, these are kind of fun questions. You get stuck in an elevator and you're forced to listen to only one song. It can be by anybody. What's that one song? <laughs> wow, an elevator song. Um, probably. Um, <laughs> Let's see, probably just like a woman, uh, Bob Dylan. Wow, that's a good choice. Good it's choice. It's a perfect song. I mean, just as a songwriter, I'm always analyzing it because I just think it's perfect. What is your most treasured possession? Um, a 1935 Martin D28. Wow. That's, that's a nice guitar. It's a killer guitar, trust me. It's God's guitar. If they were to make a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh, God. Um, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> that, that would be good. That would be good. <laughs> I just, man, I, I love Jack Nicholson. That was one of my, I, I very rarely like, you know, I, I've gotten to meet a lot of my heroes, you know, and only two have been assholes so far. And, and, and it's one of the great things about what I do. But I, I did introduce myself to Jack Nicholson and he didn't care. But at the urinal in the Yankee Stadium and the game, I just could not not speak to him. I just kind of had to. Oh, that's a great story. That's a great yeah. story. Yeah. All right, final question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, by Guy Clark, songs aren't finished until you play them for people. Wow. Well, I think we'll leave it right there. That is pathetic. <laughs> that is fantastic. Steve Earl, thank you so much, man. I, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, man, no, good to talk to you. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, friends, for tuning in to this very first episode of Red Dirt America. You can find out more about Steve Earle and get his new album, The Ghost of West Virginia, at steveearle.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe, like, and share. That way, you can be alerted when the next episode comes out. We plan to do these every couple of weeks. It's Red Dirt America. I'm Chuck Taylor. Thanks for listening. And remember, pledge allegiance to real country music.